You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ear spaces here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back for the Fan Friday edition of the podcast, everyone's favorite day on the show, where I reach out to all of you, y'all get up in my mentions, and we talk about some of the stuff that you want to talk about on this show, because as I've said so many times, I do this show for you, the fans, so I'm happy to have this opportunity to give back and talk to you people. I'm a bit tired I I don't think that comes as a surprise given the third straight rain-delayed start to a Blue Jays-Royals game yesterday. Two and a half hours pushed it back to the point where it ended at 2 a.m. my time. And that's always fun for me. <laughs> it It's... It's a little brutal, so we're, we're going to do our best to fight through. We still got some topics to talk about, and yeah, they're, they're mostly negative coming out of a very disappointing game for the Blue Jays, a 6-2 loss to end a four-game set. They get the series split with Kansas City ahead of a three-game set. In Yankee Stadium, so that's going to go very well, especially the start against Jay Happ. So, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep it as positive as possible, but that's going to be tough when we're talking about mental errors and Jose Urania and the topic we're going to start with, and that is Sam Gaviglio, last night's starter. He went to four and a third innings, gave up five runs on eight hits. It was not good. Sam Gaviglio is a guy who relies on control and deception, and it was neither last night. And yeah, you can put a lot of the blame again on the Blue Jays offense for going up against the guy who had a 63 ERA for them last year and only being able to put up two runs and then being shut out by the Kansas City bullpen, which is absolutely terrible. So not entirely faulting Sam Gaviglio, but that was a bad, bad start. Just continuously getting knocked around the ballpark by a bad Royals lineup that almost seems like Ned Yost just throws darts at a board to determine where people are playing half the time. So it was it was just annoying, and the rain delay didn't help, and Ned Yost didn't help with his, uh, I need to take 10 minutes to determine whether or not that was a balk, which, oh my god... Ned Yost, please know, as as one Kansas City fan eloquently put in the middle of the eighth inning last night, we just wanted to go home, just wanted to end the game, but no, no, Ned Yost can't have that. But yeah, 
let's talk about Sam Gaviglio's performance. And, and we talk about because we got a tweet from friend of the show, Nick Monaco at nmonaco1981, talking about Gaviglio. Uh, Nick points out he's got a strikeout in inning, hasn't allowed many walks, and has allowed only slightly more hits than innings pitched, yet he's allowed 14 home runs, and he's not confident at all when he's on the mound. Do I think it's a lack of experience or not being good? Well, it's pretty strongly pointing to the latter at this point. Sam Gavilio's not young. He is 28, turned 28 in May. So this would be the quote-unquote prime of his career. And yeah, as I said this earlier in the season that Gavilio was having success when he knew how to pitch within himself and use that deception, use use those low hanging balls to try and, try and get the ground balls. It's, it's a recipe for success across the Blue Jays organization. But lately, he has not been able to get them down. He's not been able to put those balls in places where they're not just getting, like I said, knocked around the park. And this is what Sam Gavilio is. This is his ceiling. He's a six-starter kind of guy. But because of the Blue Jays' issues with injuries and trades, he's forced to be a number four. And Sam Gavilio's not a number number four in this league. And once a team figures him out, they just go to town on Sam Gavilio. Which, when I was talking with Nick last night, Nick said he preferred Sam Gavilio in the bullpen next year as kind of the long man or mop-up guy and completely eliminate Joe Biagini from that discussion. Let Joe be a one-inning guy if Joe Biagini can find the form that made him so good in 2016. And I am entirely for it because you don't want to stick a younger prospect in that role like if the Blue Jays wanted to be cheap, they could easily call up a guy like Jordan Romano and and put him in that role. But Gavilio's a well, he's going to be a veteran next year. And then if you want, you can have a rotation with Sanchez, Stroman, Barucki, Reed Foley, and either Hap or Estrada. I assume one of them's going to be coming back because they like having the veteran presence in the rotation. But then you have Gavilio in that role in in the bullpen and I think he'd be a lot more comfortable there. He's he's a guy who can do good early, but again, as a team gets comfortable with him and familiar with him, just absolutely starts lighting him up. And that's why he's not been able to stick in this league barring injuries. So, yeah. For Sam Gavilio, this is this is just the Blue Jays playing out the string, and it it's it is what it is. Sam Gavilio is a quad A starter, asked to perform like Charlie Morton type roles, and he's not going to do it. And that's because Jaime Garcia couldn't do it. Although Jaime had a really good inning last night, he's showing he can pitch really well as a mop-up reliever. So you know that's something going forward. He might get another contract next year, just the way he's going. He's almost got that ERA down below six. But yeah, it's 
it, it's just um you know that you're holding your nose and you can't be confident with Sam Gaviglio on the mound, so you just kind of have to grin and bear it for the rest of the season. We'll talk about the mental lapses of the Blue Jays players next. So, last night, there were just, you know, more mental errors from the Blue Jays in that game that really kind of compounded things. And we start with Aledmus Diaz just kind of getting caught with runners on first and third. I, I don't know why he hesitated and decided to take off running. I know Richard Urania is at the plate, but it was an 0-1 pitch with a runner in scoring position. There was no need to have to try and move. And, like, I think I know what Diaz was trying to do. He's trying to, to do that old Ken Griffey Jr. double steal move. But it doesn't work with two outs. It's too risky with two outs. Because then they just have to go and get you. And Sal Perez is confident enough in his ability to get him. And, like, it, it just it was not going to work. And uh, Bobby X at Casablanca Rick noted that there's been a lot of mental errors lately. And Bobby thinks that's a problem with having player managers like John Gibbons in there, that there often isn't enough accountability to prevent them from doing it. And... I I can agree that accountability is good, like with base errors like that. But the problem with the Blue Jays is they don't have any way to really keep people accountable. Like what's what's Alemis Diaz going to? You're going to pull Alemis Diaz for that and put in who? Like like Russell Martin's the backup infielder right now. You can make a starting infield out of the Blue Jays on the disabled list. It's been that bad. So there's not really anyone who, if you want to go that route, you can really t- put in to replace Diaz without just completely screwing over your team. And that, like, in a close game like that, you don't want to do that too early because then it's like, well, what are people playing for? So it it gets really tough to try and deal with errors like that. And as David Carruthers at Pen Mighty One noted, errors and base on, on balls always come back to haunt teams. And it did come back to haunt them there. It like at the situation when Diaz got caught stealing, it was a one nothing game. And again, the Blue Jays had an opportunity to put the boots onto Glenn Sparkman. And yet again, they failed to do so through through a mental lapse instead of like you know just plain not being able to hit but that move kept Kevin Pillar on third base and and any kind of ground ball any anything Kevin Pillar is coming home and he has a good chance of scoring like so so it's really tough to watch consistent mental errors like and then and then T Oscar oh my god Teoscar Hernandez in 
the I believe it was the fourth inning. It was off that Jorge Bonifacio hit where Teoscar runs it down and tries to block it with his foot, and then it just squirts right past him anyway. And <laughs> I I got to introduce baseball fans to the concept of nutmegging because of that. So thank you for that, Teoscar. Uh, for the listeners, nutmegging is a soccer term when a person puts a ball through an opponent's legs and continues going on. But it it's um it's been a mixed bag for Teoscar Hernandez because he showed off his arm last night and his arm looked good. His arm was dead center to second base, but the fielding and the routes he's taking have been just abysmal, and it. It's resulted in a lot of misplays. Like I, I know Kauffman Stadium is old and weird, but like you, you have to be able to learn how to play those if you're going to be in the outfield. And there are people online questioning whether or not Teoscar Hernandez is a major league outfielder, and questioning if he's got a good enough bat to stick as like a pure DH. Now the Blue Jays have time to try and figure that out. But they're not really in a position to, you know, pull Teoscar Hernandez for that. At least not until September when, you know, the the roster is expanded and Dwight Smith Jr. can stay up permanently. Anthony Alford could get a call up. Billy McKinney can get a call up. There will be people who can go out and try and prove they are better defensively than Teoscar. But Teoscar is not going to have a path to a DH slot until... Kendris Morales leaves. So it puts the Blue Jays in a bind where they don't really know what they're going to be able to do. And I, I mean, it's, it's like Sam Gaviglio. You just kind of have to hold your nose and watch it this season. And it does make things a little difficult, but (laughs) I, I hate busting out this cliche, but it is what it is with this team. So Teoscar is going to continue to be out there and, and learn and try to figure out how to do things. But yeah, it, it just makes it a little difficult to watch, especially when it happens later at night than it should. We'll talk about a young player doing the wrong things to wrap up our Fan Friday edition today. Because a lot of you had things to say about what I said about Jose Urania. So we'll talk about him. All right. So after the podcast came out yesterday, the news came down that Jose Urania was going to be suspended six games by Major League Baseball for throwing a 97 mile an hour fastball at Ronald Acuna Jr. And that is an absolute joke of a suspension like he's going to get the same amount of time as Yasiel Puig essentially because he's a starter because he was going to miss four games anyway you're essentially said no nah, that's a two-game suspension at best you're you are potentially wrecking someone's livelihood and potentially even putting someone at the risk of death because a player has been killed by a pitch in a game Ray Chapman, 1920. This was before batting helmets. 
but a player has been killed by this sort of thing. And to let a guy like Jose Urania just go out there and throw at someone and be like, yeah, that's worth two games. When Ronald Acuna could have potentially been out for the rest of the season. How, how is that a fair punishment? It Baseball runs a heavy risk of trending into that National Hockey League mentality where it's like, ah, oh, he wasn't really hurt. We're not going to do anything. And, oh, he, he got concussed. We should probably suspend him for a while. Where the result is dictating the punishment as opposed to the actual action itself. And that is not the way to be legislating in this game. And there was a lot of support for a much longer suspension. Uh, Iraq at Kranya 85. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But yeah, he said baseball had the perfect opportunity here to send a message. Urania getting a longer suspension for a team that's out of it wouldn't have gotten people out of sorts, but would have been a deterrent for competitive games and teams later on the season. Don't need to see stars lose games for no reason. MLB got rid of collisions at the plate and second base for player safety. Time to get rid of intentionally heaving a 97 mile per hour pitch at a guy because you're frustrated with losing. 100% correct. Absolutely. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered to Miami, but it would have mattered to the rest of the league to sit Urania down for that. And I, I, I can't put it much better than Erock did because it's 100% correct. Um, Jays in 2020 also chimed in saying they don't know what's worse, Urania actually hitting Acuna or the suspension that MLB handed out. Um, they're, they're a fan of the game and they say watching Acuna brought excitement to this game. Urania took the cheap way out. And when Jeff, Jeff Passan of Yahoo weighed in, those are exactly the kind of words he used. Cheap, cowardly, yellow, play. Like basically going going off someone's courage and, and attacking them on that manner, and yeah, it it's it's almost cheating in a way. You're cheating the game, and it's not even like the league sanctioned team, like or strategic cheating. Like yeah, we're gonna walk here. First pitch of the game, you decide to try and take someone out, and I said this yesterday. Just absolute garbage mentality from Jose Urania. Absolute garbage thing to do and and you can't even explain it away and be like oh he didn't mean to do it his first pitch he didn't mean to the way jose urania walked after the after delivering that pitch should rule out any any disbelief that jose urania did not intentionally throw at ronald acuna so again just mind-boggling that mlb does not take the opportunity to to really assert itself and protect its players and i'm i'm just i i i was baffled by the suspension and i'm still baffled by it It should have been at least 10 games although although i was proposed an alternative by supervisor jay at jay top who said given urania's numbers a real deterrent would have been forcing the marlins to use him for the next five days straight which isn't a bad idea but i i i think like they did give him a hefty fine but without knowing how much money that actually took away from jose urania what percentage of his salary it i i think the suspension would have been better and the and the fine would have been better 
than than forcing the 19 Miami fans to have to watch him pitch for five days in a row. But I, I do appreciate that sentiment. I appreciate that outside-the-box thinking that Jay displayed there. And I appreciate all of you for for tuning in to this edition of Locked On Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're not checking out the other shows on the network, um, Locked On NFL is coming back as the NFL season gears up. Um, they, they have local leaders on Mondays. It's hosted by Matt Williamson. He goes around the league. He has uh, Mike Sando from ESPN on Thursday's episodes. He has Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on Wednesdays. So check that out on iTunes and Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. It's a great NFL resource. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Blue Jays on those things and give a rate and review. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. I want to thank all the fans who gave their opinions on today's episode. Thank you to E-Rock and Jason2020 and Nick and David and Bobby and Jay. Thank you all so much for your contributions to this episode. Uh, if you want to get involved, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's neoac one eight. Always up for a conversation, even if you're not a fan of the Blue Jays. I, I'm willing to talk a lot of different things, so hit me up on there. And again, thank you all so much for another great week of Locked On Blue Jays action. Again, y'all are what keep this going, and I greatly appreciate it. And if you want to tell more people about it, hey, the tent is huge. So we can totally have other people under it. So, again, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Locked On Blue Jays. I've been your host, Ryan Andrews, and y'all take care.